Don't forget that the PCPS is here because of listeners like you. We are a people-powered program fully supported by monetary contributions from our members on Patreon. We quite literally could not do it without you. If you'd like to become a supporter, visit our website or our link in bio and click on the Patreon link. You can join for as little as the price of one Swanson Frozen TV dinner. Just one! But that TV dinner goes a long way in helping us keep the lights on and the bills paid. Every dollar helps this podcast and this community grow, reaching more listeners and creating more episodes. And in return for your support, we'll send you thank you gifts in the form of podcast outtakes, videos of our recording sessions, and invitations to members-only events. Thanks to you, we think we have something pretty special going on, and we are just getting started. Thanks for your time, your support, and all those good vibes. And please enjoy the show. And let me tell you guys, I crushed hard on David. I think I've shared some of this with you. Um, I had my Starsky and Hutch socks and everything. (laughs) And as you know, I did get to stay home from Saturday Night Mass on one of the Starsky and Hutch two-parters that was continued. And I could not miss the to be continued. And my parents let me stay home. And it was very nice of them. I love that your parents let you stay home. Like, they understood how important Starsky and Hutch (laughs) was to you. Well, they did say... You know you're going to miss the dinner at Red Lobster. I mean, they tried that's to right, that's right. convince me with the Red Lobster. <laughs> you know what? It was about no, God. It no was about biscuits. biscuits. They that's did right. not hold the candles. Sorry. Nothing gets mm-hmm. between me and Hutch. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who like their ding-dongs wrapped in foil. (laughs) We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving the music that came out of our transistors, our car stereos, and our Mickey Mouse radios. Panasonic, GE, or Radio Shack, it doesn't matter. We'll be saving the songs that are certified by us to be AM radio gold, specifically from the year 1977. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Come on, get happy. Welcome to our first installment of an ongoing series called AM Radio Gold, celebrating the songs we heard when AM Radio was king, or more precisely, when AM Radio was all we had. Because if you were listening to the radio prior to 1980, whether it was in the car, in the kitchen, on your nightstand, or on that little transistor radio you held to your ear, it was most definitely on the AM frequency. And you guys, wasn't I like last week, years <laughs> old, eight years old when I learned that? <laughs> yes, poor Michelle does not know what our episode is about as of a week ago. She's like trying to, she's like looking for Rush Limbaugh songs. <laughs> I'm embarrassed, but but I'm going to own it because when Kristen's like, it was the songs on the your AM radio. And I said, but you guys, I didn't listen to AM radio. And Kristen's like, did you listen to music before 1980? And I was like, yes, but I didn't listen to like talk radio or opera or classical or church, or church, church. music. And she's like, is that all you think was on AM radio? I was like, yes. <laughs> There was no FM, if you guys recall. So FM radio really didn't come into play for a really long time, and we didn't make that transfer really until the 80s. So 70s music 
is AM Radio Gold. Well, so I'm glad to learn that I did listen to AM Radio. Yes, you did. I you, love and I loved yeah. it. <laughs> you know, you know songs, which means that you listen to AM Radio. And in those of you in the audience, you did too. So today we're focusing on the year 1977 because I'm in charge and I lived for radio in 1977. <laughs> And by this time, I had found Casey Kasem on Sunday nights, and I either listened to the countdown on my transistor radio hidden under my pillow, or I used the clock radio on my nightstand. A clock radio, I might add, I recently tracked down on eBay and ceremoniously placed upon my nightstand once again where <laughs> it belongs. I love that. I do, too. Yes, those clock radios are, I had mine, the very first one I got was actually in 1977, mm-hmm. and it saw me through my entire adulthood. I had that thing until probably the early 2000s. It was the oh only <laughs> clock radio I ever owned. For a while, Andy and I both had our OG clock radios yep. on each of our nightstands, and only because I didn't really need a clock radio anymore did I get rid of it. It was the red digital numbers, yep. mm-hmm. and besides my family, that Radio was the constant in my life for ever. I mean, from 1977 when I'm in middle school to my early newlywed years, married years. Is, that's kind of one of those flat ones that are brown on top. Yes, kind of yes, brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had one of those uh, hanging around for years. I bet it was Brian's, and um, I remember. It was always hanging around, like when we'd have guests over and we, they needed a clock or something. I wonder if we still have that. He would just you go know, in the I can closet and pull it's out like his squashed yeah. down mm-hmm. flat. Yep. Yes. Had the yeah, it had the digital the but red it was digital the, numbers. The red ones, mm-hmm. not the ones that flip. No, Andy no. had the flip ones. And, and that was annoying. Hummed. Yeah, they would, it's loud. It is. Yeah. Especially when it when all three numbers turn. So when it turns eight o'clock, it goes junk. Midnight when you got like all of I those. I kind of like that that sound. It's clock radio ASMR. And I can tell the time. I can be nowhere near a clock and I hear cha-chunk. I'm like, oh, it's getting late. It's like midnight. I better go to bed. (laughs) I mean, because I have one right now. Big surprise. I do have a flip clock right now. Mm -hmm. Well, and they obviously mean something to us. I mean, the fact that you went on eBay and found it and now have it back on your nightstand. When you think about like laying in bed at night and just, you know, we can't fall asleep and we're crying over the boyfriend that, you know, rejected us or we've got that hard final in the morning or you're making a big decision. And it's the first thing you see when you wake up and you're hitting the thing or you're listening for your school number for a snow, you know, for the snow day. day. It's just been there for all of that. So I think that's why it's, it's such a special place. And so much came through that radio. I heard all of the music of my childhood on that radio. And yes. mine was an analog clock and the little twisty dial okay. that would fl- that would go up and down the frequency. And it to me it's a real mid-century cultural icon. So when it sits mm-hmm. on my nightstand right now, it looks like a like a decorative piece. I mean to mm-hmm. me it does. <laughs> Mike is like, "Why do you have a broken clock on your nightstand?" <laughs> looks but like it, it represents an awful house. lot to me and yeah. and I think the Casey Kasem part of it is really significant because Casey Kasem was my dude. He was my buddy every Sunday night for so many years. And he came through that little analog radio. Well, and we learned back in our Sad Songs of the 70s episode, um, way back in, that was in like February of 2021, Mm -hmm. listeners. So that's a fun episode to go back and listen to. But we learned that Krista not only listened every Sunday night, but she kept a tiny notebook. I did. And she wrote (laughs) down 
the order of the countdown and the songs, and then she'd hide it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She'd listen to it it's so in a special low box. that like like that snails could hear it. Yeah, like, because I like didn't want to get in volume, trouble because yeah. it ended at 11 p.m. And I and that was way past my bedtime. And I knew that the chances of my parents coming in and telling me that it was time to turn off the radio would come any minute. And honestly, that would be tragedy if I couldn't find out what the number oh one gosh, song was. Oh. And I couldn't like go online and find out mm-hmm. what the number one song was. You had to be listening. And so I would incrementally turn down the radio i would like turn it down let my ears get used to it turn it down <laughs> let my ears get used to it until it was so low that in the morning i would wake up and the radio would be on and i wouldn't be able to hear it oh, right it Even was like my superpower though, currently on a uh, serious um radio they have like the 70s channel and you'll mm-hmm. hear the old casey Kasem countdown i will sit in parking lots i will if i'm at <laughs> home i'll sit in the driveway i'll take a lap around the block because i'm yes. like i've just been listening to this for the past 30 minutes there's no way i'm, I'm invested. not gonna hear i'm invested in this i yeah. have to know what the number yeah. one song but is but it's also fun now to go back to that station and test your knowledge i'll go right. mm-hmm. if we're in the car together we'll go okay Wait, so five was this, four was this, three was this, two was this. We're at 1970, what, eight? Okay, I'm going to bet number one is, you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a fun little game to play. I love yeah. playing that game, and Mike won't play with me. I'll be like, okay, 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 what do you think it is? And Mike will be like, I don't know. How the hell would I know? I'm like, I think, I think it's how deep oh, is your Mike. life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have known before this podcast. I wouldn't, I will be honest with you before, but we've learned so much. This has been an education, right? You, yes. could, you can now make educated guesses and you guys quite often I'm right. Although I guess yeah. I was keeping track of the top 10 in a notebook That's all right. from like 1975 until I graduated from college. 1977 gave us some of the most memorable music in history. To see how big 1977 was, all you have to do is look to the Grammy Awards of 1978, which um, gives awards to music released in the previous year. So music released in 1977 would be given a 1978 Grammy. This was the 20th Grammy Awards, and it was hosted by John Denver in the biggest bow tie you've ever seen. (laughs) I think it's going to eat his head. I know. It's so big. It's so big. Okay, so the just listen to this. Album of the year was Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. The best pop vocal group was the Bee Gees for How Deep Is Your Love. The best R&B performance nominations included the Commodores, Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, and Leo Sayer. I don't actually get that one. And you guys, Leo Sayer won. Leo Sayer won the... Yes, for you make me feel like dancing. dancing. I want to dance, dance the night away. away. Is that an R and B song? I mean, listeners, I we're going to be singing a lot in this right. episode. And again, I'll say <laughs> what I said warning. a couple of episodes again. Uh, uh, what I said a couple of episodes before. We all sound like fantastic to us, and we sound like we're in harmony. And we realize now in re-listening to these episodes, we're not in. Har- we do still sound fantastic. <laughs> But we're all we're all like one beat behind each other. So apologies, but it's not going to make us stop singing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just think it's weird that Leo Sayer won with that song that isn't actually an R and B song against. Come on, Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin, please. Okay, best country song nominations included "Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue" by Crystal Gale, "Lucille" by Kenny Log- Kenny Loggins, <laughs> Kenny Rogers. <laughs> Not the same. It's not the same. No, no. And Desperado, which I never thought of as a country song, but it works. Desperado. Desperado, Yeah. I love Karen Carpenter's uh, version of that. You guys, those are three top songs. That's a hard one. one? That's huge. What what one? Huge. I'll tell you in a little bit because it's one of my favorites. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Um, okay, so best original score nominations doesn't seem like it's something that we would pay a lot of attention to until you hear who the nominees are. Oh my goodness! Which includes Star Wars, Rocky, A Star Is Born, and You Light Up My Life. Hello, nineteen seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. Right, and Iconic. then this one is even m- a more obscure um, category. We have the best instrumental arrangement nominations, which included again. This is only interesting because of. These big names. So it included both Star Wars and Rocky, but also Nadia's theme, <sighs> which is on the radio. Yeah. Right? Yes. It's an instrumental. It's a do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah it's and the rest on the radio. Yeah. And it's yeah. a huge hit. A huge hit. Okay. Um, I can't believe that. Our, I know. <laughs> it's a big, big year. And our best new artist nominations included Debbie Boone. Andy Gibb, and Sean Cassidy. Icons, all of them. Everything I mentioned was iconic. Every single thing. If you want viewing gold, go uh, Google the 1978 Grammys, um, Sean Cassidy, and you'll see John Denver and his giant bow tie introduce Sean Cassidy, and this is his first performance on the Grammys, and Mm -hmm. he's wearing all white, and he's got his hair is just feathered to into perfection and he sings that's rock and roll and he's adorable singing it it's the cutest performance (laughs) oh and Um, just his sean mannerisms are so great and that like you know that certain kind of thing he does with like his she's doing it right now she's like you know what you're doing you're you're getting your feathered hair out of your eyes that's yeah, what you're doing. but his almost you're like, like didn't move. It was just like, yeah, it kind of moved, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. a very Sean Cassidy. Yeah, mo- it's perfection. Also mm-hmm. included in um, the best new artist nominations was Foreigner, which is so funny because I think of like hasn't Foreigner always been oh. around? That's classic yeah. rock. When were they right. the best new artist? Right, and that if you recall, that was when Cold as Ice came out, which is such oh, a great yeah. song. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing that song for the first time on James at fifteen, but I looked and I cannot find that clip anywhere. James at fifteen and mm-hmm. Cold as Ice. Hmm. I'm willing to sacrifice our love. That was one of my first eight tracks was Foreigner. Is it really? <laughs> so um, all of that is really interesting. However, today is not a history lesson. Today is personal. And Carolyn and Michelle and I are going to share the songs we waited for on the radio. We'll tell you who we were, where we were, and what these songs meant to okay, us. Okay, you guys, I know that we already talked about the clock radios that we had on our nightstands. Um, I didn't get mine till the end, actually, of 1977, September, my birthday. But there are some distinct radio memories that I do have where I heard these songs. One was our built-in whole house intercom system that had a radio. So the 70s, it was a really big thing to have like this radio in your kitchen, but you could push a button and every bedroom had a little speaker by the door and like my mom could call us to breakfast. Carolyn and Ronnie, time for breakfast. And she, <laughs> God, I um, love those. Or my, you could play the those. music. And so every morning when we came for breakfast, mu- AM music would be playing out of that radio in our that kitchen. Is so cool. So you that is so where, lucky. oh, I know we felt really cool. And then my sister and I would play airplane on, with it. So one person <laughs> would sit in a room like they were in a seat and buckle your seat belts. We're about to take <laughs> off. And you know, We thought that was so cool. So there was that radio. And then there was my Texaco Haviland radio can radio. So oh, my dad right. worked for Texaco and they had this promotional gimmick 
marketing tool that was looked like a Haviland radio, but um, a Haviland can, oil can, but it was a radio. And that, you guys, is my iconic AM radio memory because it had the battery. I could take it, you know, wherever I wanted. So iconic and part of my growing up that in researching this and getting ready for this episode, I had to go on eBay and see, does do these exist? Like, can you did, buy did one? Did you find it? Right now, I am the highest bidder. <gasps> Yay! So far, it ends tomorrow. Keep your fingers crossed, listeners. By the time you hear this, I will know if I am the proud owner of a Haviland Radio. Okay, I, you've inspired me. I'm going to go online now, and I'm going to look for my very first radio. We talked about my clock radio, but my very first radio was a Mickey Mouse radio with a strap on it, so I could carry it around oh, with yeah. me. It was like a transistor. I know that, I know that one. And, yeah. the, and there was like a speaker in his ear. And now that I think about it, I bet I got that when I was five or six years old. So I was kind of being indoctrinated into mm-hmm. listening to music really, really young. Yeah. And so that little transistor radio, I, this was an activity for me. This is not something that you would find a kid in 2022 doing. I would get a blanket and I would go out in the backyard and I would take my transistor radio and I would listen to the radio. Yeah. KDWB, 63, KDWB on your AM dial. And it's sort of like you just sit there and like listening to the music was the activity. activity. It wasn't right. background music. That's what right. I was doing. Right. Well, in well, true character, I don't remember what I was listening <laughs> on to. I didn't even know I was listening to AM radio in 1977. <laughs> but I've determined, after consulting my graphs, I've determined um, that I was in Arlington, Texas, because I was in third grade. Um, and that was, a, that was a really good year. Like, I loved our house. I loved, um, I had my best friend. I do remember my best friend's name was Ashley Wiley. But as far as radios, my first one I remember really was, and I still own it, is my my long pink sharp cassette oh, yes. player I radio. That. that classic mm-hmm. pink, you know, yep. and it's in my office right now. It's a little boombox. Um, it's like a little boombox, yeah. yeah. And that would have been FM because this would have been post-1980. Right. I do believe in 1980 um, for Christmas, my sister and I both got turntable but had a radio in it. And mm-hmm. I looked online, like the the thing that went up that lifted up over the yep. turntable, the lid was almost like a smoky brown. Oh, I think color. I own the same one. I, I think that it was from the same one. set on a yes. you know, it had the the silver that had the yeah. big radio mm-hmm. dial on it. Yep. Yeah. If I had to choose my favorite song. And these don't have to be our favorites. These are just songs that were meaningful to us or we mm-hmm. couldn't wait to hear. Okay, so when I hear this song that was my favorite in 1977, first you hear like a drum beat and then there's a synthesizer. And the synthesizer note is held and then it modulates and then it's held. And when I hear that, my heart jumps into my throat, literally. Right now, when I'm, when I'm 54 years old, it jumps into my throat. Sometimes I'll gasp. Ask Liam. Aww. Sometimes I'll hear the synthesizer and I'll go, oh! <laughs> and then I wait for Andy Gibb to say, For so long. He kind of goes, For so long. God, I love that song, too. The song, of course, is I Want to Be Your Everything. And this was the song that introduced the world to Andy Gibb. 
Oh, and how did we get introduced to Andy Gibb? This is from his first album, Flowing Rivers, which um, I was not even aware of the album, Flowing Rivers. I was just enjoying this song on the radio. But it turns out Flowing Rivers is a kick-ass album, and Mm -hmm. we might devote an entire episode just to Flowing Rivers someday. So this was the first of three number one singles for Andy Gibb, which made him the first male solo artist with three consecutive number one singles. It went to number one in July of 1977. It stayed there for several weeks. Then it was bumped to number two by his brothers. I think it was Night Fever. It was, went to number two. And then in September, it popped back up to number one. How about when that? When does that happen? Isn't that, that crazy? Could, yeah. The little song that could. could. You guys, it was in the top 10 for months. For months. It was on the chart for almost a year. Like seven, eight months, it was on the chart. Well, think about this now, Kristen. You are going to sleep with him and your, like, you know, every Sunday night you're hearing him (laughs) at some point on Casey Kasem because he's in the the top. So no wonder. I mean, he was that most consistent voice in your. He was there. As you were. Going he to was sleep. there. Yes. For so long. That's yeah. another thing this podcast um, has created for me. It's like, I always loved that song. Mm-hmm. But until we started do, having these conversations and talking about music and the Bee Gees and everything, all of our memories, I've listened to I Just Want to Be Your Everything more in the past year and a half <laughs> than I've listened to it probably <laughs> ever in 1977. Because um, it I ever feels have. so good. You feels guys, so I good. still have a physical oh. reaction to this song. When he <gasps> says, open up your heart. Or when he says, open oh, up yes. the heavens in your heart. Your heart and, and let me be the things, things you, you are to me. To me and not just a puppet on a string. And here's the thing about that, you guys. He says, and I. this is just like, I'm picturing you, Carolyn, with your headphones on, listening to Sean Cassidy take a breath. Mm-hmm. He says... Not just a puppet on a string. string. He says string. <sighs> and it's so gentle and it's so light and it's just like he's so vulnerable. And actually, if you listen to a lot of Bee Gees songs, you'll hear Barry Gibb say string or oh. misunderstood. Or listen to, I'm serious, listen <laughs> no, to Too I'm Much Heaven, to to listen to it. Jive Talking, you'll hear Barry Gibb do the same thing. And I just think it tells you how connected these brothers were. Or maybe, I don't know, people in Australia, is that an Australian thing? Maybe say they, they say string. They share a speech impediment? Or <laughs> I know, I don't, but he doesn't say accent. every S that way. It's only okay. certain words. Not just a puppet on a string. Oh, and it would just die. Oh, yeah. So it's a sexy song, too, the way oh, he sings God. it. Yes, Mm -hmm. you just fall in love with him because he's so in love. You totally believe him. And there is some controversy online because, you know, there's a bit, I know, (laughs) face. Because a lot of people, people, a lot of people argue about who this song is about. And they really very badly want this song to be about his new wife because he got married in July of 1976 and this was recorded in October of 1976 before it was released in 1977 and he was only 18 years old he married a woman named Kim Reeder and this of course was not known by those of us reading Tiger Beat magazine I don't know what I would have done with that information I'm not exactly sure I mean he basically went from getting married 
to being a superstar in like a matter of months. It was just they needed to sell him as this hot single. They really did, right? And they just and they did that by splashing him all over Tiger Beat for all of us to fall in love with. So the other thing that people will will argue about is. Uh, okay, number one is this song about his new wife. Is this was this song written on his honeymoon? Was this song recorded on his honeymoon? And you can't find any. Um, it's hard to find verification of any of that. So I decided to go to the most reliable source that I could, and I sent a message to Andy Gibbs' daughter, and I asked her for clarification. What? Yeah. I know. <laughs> Wait, why are, how are we just now learning about this? Did you mm-hmm. want to surprise us with I this? I wanted to surprise <gasps> you. And bless her heart, you guys, she was going to leave us a voicemail message, but she had oh the flu. And she lost her voice and she couldn't leave a message. We, we need to remind so listeners apologized. that Kristen and Andy Gibbs' daughter are social media friends. They're social media which friends. Which is highly mm-hmm. just like talk about blowing your mind, right? Oh my God, your mind just explodes. Your mind just explodes. And so she explained that, um, no, it couldn't be about her mom because this song was written entirely by Barry Gibb and not by Andy Gibb at all. Not for lack of trying, because apparently Andy Gibb has said in interviews that he was he was there like, okay, how about this? But Barry Gibb wrote so fast that by the time he's saying, why don't we open with this? Barry Gibb is on the chorus. (laughs) And then and then the song is done. He said he wrote the song in about 20 minutes. Wow. Whoa. Totally Gosh. done. Yeah. Um, but they all, she also said that her, her parents honeymooned in Bermuda, and Barry Gibb wrote the song with Andy Gibb in Bermuda. So it is oh, possible so- that it was written on their honeymoon. They were honeymooning at Robert Stigwood's house in Bermuda. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> with Gosh. the Bee Gees. With the Bee Gees. Yeah. Had to do a little work. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I'm, you guys, this is all important, very insightful yeah. information. Like now, I know yeah. where he honeymooned. I bet yeah. you there weren't a lot of people that know that. That's not common knowledge. I like how I Kristen know. though is just she's so like laissez faire about it. She goes, "So I had to go to the source," <laughs> and she's just right now like you guys can't see this. She's just right now like reapplying her Dr Pepper lip smacker. Yeah, like, this is no big deal. This is just another day. Just another day. So you guys, I went to the source. I I had to go and ask Andy Gibbs' daughter, and you know what? We had this little back and forth, and she was going <laughs> to leave a. Voice, but you know what? Poor thing's got the flu. I sent my grandma's chicken soup recipe. Like, like this is just common now for Kristen to converse with Andy Gibbs' daughter. Mm -hmm. Wow. Suffice it to say that that left those words, his music, his voice left an imprint on my heart. Mm -hmm. And I was going to go into like some of the lyrics, but I don't know. There's not much more for me to say because I'll just sing the whole song. I'll just sing the whole song because all the words are meaningful to me. All of them, they're like a puzzle piece. And I know that that's Barry Gibbs doing. He, you know, even like, darling mine. What is darling mine? I don't know, but it's just so, darling mine. It's so beautiful. I would wait forever for those are lips of a wine. And he says it, those are lips of a wine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are lips of a wine. He does it like a little puzzle, and it just burrows its way into my heart still today. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a song, as we're talking about burrowing into hearts, that has burrowed into mine um, is one of my favorites from 1977. And I'll call this song the family favorite because this is one that my entire family would not just sing belt out and this would be lucille you picked a fine time to leave me lucille four hungry children and a crop in the 
by Kenny oh. Rogers. Which, not Kenny Loggins. No, not Kenny Loggins. <laughs> right. The other bearded gentleman, mm-hmm. Rogers, um, which actually won that Grammy Award you were talking about for Best it Country did. Vocal Performance. Yes. Okay. And it was his first number one hit of 21 hits. Okay. Wow. Kenny is the man. I mean, I what love- a guy. Recently, I've gone back and just listened to This Is Kenny Rogers on Spotify sometimes. And so many songs come on that I forgot about. And I would only listen to those, I'm sure, if I heard them on the radio or when I was uh, visiting my dad because he liked country music. But, oh, man, there's a lot of – there's a lot that we forgot about. They are classic. And this was Mm -hmm. his first solo performance, too, because he had been a member of the new edition prior – or the first edition. Is it the new or the first? First, first edition. Okay. New edition, New edition is Bobby Brown. Brown. Edition is Bobby Brown. Yeah, no, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the same. That. Not the right. same. He had to clear it. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> Kenny was in the very first edition. But anyway, this is his first solo um, outing, and he hits number one, which is kind of exciting. And um, my family knew all of the words, and I can Ooh, see it's... us in the car belting out that song. And I also had this visual in my head. So as we know, there's the song, Four Hungry Kids and a Crop in the Field. (laughs) And I saw these four hungry kids in my head, like, in the field, like, standing next to wheat stalks, (laughs) like, looking all forlorn because Lucille, their mother, has left them in this field. It was very sad. She literally left them in the field. Yes, she literally left them in the field. Do you remember in our misheard lyrics? Yes. Yes, I've got that. Another good one. 400 yes. children. People. And a crotch that won't and heal. And a crotch that won't heal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another thing I discovered when I was doing a little research on Lucille is a really fun web- website called Am I Right? So amiright.com, we'll put it in the notes, but it includes parodies of popular songs. So people like submit Cute. parodies um, of songs that they've written. And Lucille has quite a few that have been submitted. Two of my favorites were um, one, uh, Starbucks in Toledo. So the very first line is, in a bar in Toledo, across, I can't sing, and across <laughs> from the depot, well, on a bar stool, she oh, took yeah. off her oh, ring. Yeah. That's but right. in the parody, it's a Starbucks in Toledo, and it's very funny, <laughs> all the lines. So I'll put Caroline, a link to let's that. Let's put that in the week that uh, we'll put a link to that uh, in the Weekly Reader this week. Yes. That sounds like a really fun website. So that's one of my 1977 gems. Well, my songs, and just uh, so you guys know, I don't have any like fun facts or anything factual about any of my songs. I'm going strictly on why these songs were important to Little Absolutely. Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I want to so hear. My number one song is That's Right. Rock and Roll by Sean Cassidy, which reached number 79. I do have that fact in the top 100 for the year I'm 1977. Right now in my head. Yeah. And if you listen to our first episode, our very, very first episode, um, you guys all know why this song made my top three and my top one from 1977. And it is all about the dance. The dance. <laughs> in 1977, we lived across the street from my sister's best friend, Penny. And when they would make up little dances to songs, um, I often got to participate. Like, they needed me, right? They needed Michelle's ability as a dance. <laughs> um, and so the dance we made up to That's Rock and Roll has stuck with me for 45 You can still years. do it. Oh, I can still do it. You guys know when we saw Sean in concert last summer, I was doing the dance when that part came. And you guys, do you remember his guitar string broke like halfway through that song after oh, like yeah. the first chorus? And I was, and I was like in the mid, I was like mid dance, mid choreography. You were like mid shimmy. 
I was so upset because I thought, no, no, that's why I came. That's why I came. I thought, surely he's going to get a new guitar. And when they handed him a new guitar, he went on with his next song. I was crushed. But um, yeah, so anyway, um, if you guys remember, my costume was just so snazzy. It was a plain black leotard. <laughs> but my sister and Penny had those stitched rainbow jean shorts. You guys remember those? They're like tiny jean shorts, but they have like the embroidery stitch of the rainbow lines on them. Um, those eventually got passed down to me uh, a couple of years later. I loved those shorts. And Oh, it's just so great. Like, I think we performed on our back deck and we probably performed for our moms and like David, Penny's little brother. But by the good grace of my mom, she had our giant, you know, like, you know, eight, what are those called? Like the, the eight, the, the, the eight meter? track, that's not, eight, eight, track, millimeter. Eight, track, eight millimeter, eight millimeter movie uh, camera. So I have video footage of a snippet of this dance. Thank God. And it's, yeah, thank God. <laughs> You know what? The world has thanked me. Um, <laughs> sadly, it's without the sound, but I know exactly what part of the dance this song goes to because, like I said, I remember the dance. And I've posted it on our Instagram stories before, but I don't know, you guys. I think it might need to come back out this week. What do oh, you guys yeah. think? Oh, my think? God. Yes. Um, another one of my favorites from 1977 was Barracuda by Heart. <laughs> Is that how you have to say it? You have to say Bar- Barracuda. Barracuda. You absolutely Ooh. do. You guys, this this whole album had such an impact on me just from a visual standpoint because you walk into the record store and you would see Anne and Nancy Wilson on the cover of Little Queen, which is the name of the album. And they're just like, they're just staring down the camera, but not in a sexual way. They are badass before mm-hmm. we had the word badass. Right. And this was real and true rock and roll. And that was not something you saw very often. And one of those women was the guitar player. That was something you never saw ever. No. And so I would just, I didn't own the album. I would just visit it at the record <laughs> store knowing what these women had to offer for me. And it was so meaningful, even though I had no desire to play the guitar. That's not what I was getting inspiration from. It was inspiration from her doing it, mm-hmm. right? Like she was being so Badass. Like, well, you just, there's see no was, other word that's just so awesome for it. It was the possibility. Of it was the, the possibility. Like a woman being right. that badass. Yes. Was new to, well, that was something kind of new. And they were in charge. It was new. Mm-hmm. They were breaking the rules. They were in charge. They were on the cover of that album. They weren't being sexual. And this was rock and roll. So the song, you know, the song itself has sort of a mesmerizing, driving beat. And so I, I was not I was not big into rock and roll at that time, mm-hmm. like true hard rock and roll, but this song captured me and it was almost like I couldn't look away, right? Everybody stop. Everybody just stop and listen to this song. The song is actually a statement about the record industry and it was about Hart and Nancy Wilson. It was about Hart's anger toward an ad that their record label, Mushroom Records, had placed in a trade publication <laughs> implying that Anne and Nancy were lesbian lovers. 
You guys, oh, they no. were sisters. <sighs> they were sisters. I mean, this is, it's, why? It's, well, let's, why? Go, let's go back to our Carpenters Yeah, I was going to um, say, episode, where they tried right. to make us think. Where they tried to insinuate that Richard yeah. and Karen were yes. lovers. And and discovers Lord. this ad after a concert when a record promoter comes up to me and he's like, hey, how's your lover? And no. she's like, you mean my boyfriend, this guy over here? And he's like, no, Nancy. And she's like, that's my <gasps> sister. Did he not perv. know that she was her sister? I don't know. But she went directly back to her hotel room and she wrote this song. And the rumor is that the original title for the song was Motherfucker. The same amount of syllables. Maybe they had to find a word that had some of the same, you know, sound to it. Barracuda, and you make it like a predatory fish. Yeah, it's a predatory. I love knowing that now because now when that song does pop up on one of my playlists. That's what I'm going to sing out loud. Yeah. And that's, that's a good what song. they meant. Well, that mm-hmm. also is just a good song to sing when you have a lot of feelings inside. Mm-hmm. I don't know yes. what kind of feelings that you, you need, need to get to out. That's a you good one, listeners. Yeah. Throw that on a playlist. Absolutely. Yeah. But now, okay. especially that you can shout, ooh, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say it like that. Ooh, motherfucker. Oh, I better not so forget awesome. to push the little Put explicit the um, thing yeah. on Sorry, our ratings. Hey, we're just quoting. Hey, we're just quoting. A lot. Yeah. We're quoting a mm-hmm. lot. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes it needs to be said. I'm going to share my next song, which happens to be by my um, celebrity crush, or one of them at that time. Ooh. So, um, you know, Michelle and Kristen have each shared one from theirs with Sean and Andy. This was sung by David Soul. Um, you know, Hutch from, I mean, yeah, Hutch from yeah, Starsky Hutch. and Hutch. Yeah. Yeah. I should know that. Hutch from Starsky and Hutch, and he sang the ever lovely ballad, Don't Give Up on Us. Don't, Don't give, give up, up on, on us, baby. Us, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> um, and let me tell you guys, I crushed hard on David. I think I've shared some of this with you. Um, I had my Starsky and Hutch socks and everything. <laughs> and as you know, I did get to stay home from Saturday Night Mass on one of the Starsky and Hutch two-parters that was continued, and I could not miss the to-be-continued, and my parents let me stay home, and it was very nice of I them. I love that your parents let you stay home. Like, they understood how important Starsky and Hutch well, was to they you. they did say, you know you're going to miss the dinner at Red Lobster. I mean, they tried <laughs> to right, that's right. convince me with the Red Lobster. <laughs> you know what? It was about no, God. It no was about Red Lobster. Biscuits. They that's did right. Not I'm sorry. Nothing gets mm-hmm. between me and and so um, I I loved that song. Um, unfortunately for David, that was his only hit in the United States. It did hit number one on the Billboard Top 100 in April of 1977. And it also has the dubious ranking of number 93 from VH1's Top 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders. So um. it, it squeaked in at number 93. But yeah, David did not have another um, another hit after that. But that was a good song. That was a that good one. That's a, that is a, a lot of people. Oh, that most is the definitely. very definition of a one hit wonder, right? Mm-hmm. Because oh. we still love that song today. And we can oh. sing people it, so. love that song. Yeah, like well, you said, yeah. today people are like, oh. Yes. Well, yes. evidently he um David re-recorded it in two thousand four. Um oh. after he heard it um being played in an elevator, but it was Owen Wilson's cover of the song from the film version of Starsky and Hutch. So I have oh, not seen that. I've now seen no. the clip from the movie. It does look kind of darling. Owen Wilson, I've I really like that. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Really cute. Ben Stiller, 
adorable. Adorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben Stiller in the clip, he's wearing, you know, um, Starsky's big sweater. You know how Starsky always <laughs> yeah, has those shawl sweater with yeah. the shawl yeah. collar so I, on it. Mm-hmm. It has now made my to be watched list. It's cute. And lastly, um, the song came back into my um, view when I saw it prominently featured in the Hulu series Candy. Which oh, just came yes. out in the past year. Such a, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Started yeah, Jessica Beale, and it's an epic kind of um, walk down memory lane in terms of the um, the scenery and just all the props and everything in that show. So if you haven't seen Candy, it's on Hulu, and this song features prominently in that mm. series, along with some big ass headphones too. Oh yeah, I mean it's mm-hmm. it's just really fun oh, to watch that's for all my, of that that's stuff. That's on my t- that's on my watch it's list. It's a good one. Sure. It's it's really freaky because it's a true story. That, it's um, true crime. It's a crazy mm-hmm. story. I love that. But, I love those true. Crimes. And she's but, so good. Oh, okay. she's well, great. She's, yeah. Don't give up on us, baby. Don't make the wrong seem right. The future isn't just one night. Written in the moonlight And painted on the stars We can't change ours Don't give up on us, baby We're still worth one more try I know we put a last one by Okay, so uh, my second song that I picked is another song and story I've shared on this podcast. Um, I believe I shared it in our Sad Songs of the 70s episode, but for the new kids in class, I'll tell it again. And the song is After the Lovin' by Engelbert Humperdinck. And the song did reach number 61 on the year-end top 100. But this song is just so meaningful to me because I have vivid memories of singing it with my daddy, who I lost when I was 10. And no, we didn't die until I was in my early 20s, but I didn't get to see him or speak to him after I was 10. And it's a really long story and it's a really sad story. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> who after the love and by <laughs> still working through that on in therapy. So don't worry. I'm fine. She's but, taking um, anyway, care for, of it for the, <laughs> for the first, I, I, it sounds like I'm laughing and really you guys, I'm like crying. <laughs> right. um, anyway, for the first 10 years of my life, I did get to see him like twice or three times a year. And I loved my daddy. I loved him so much. And we had so much fun together. And one fun thing to know about my dad is that he loved to sing. And he, you know, he thought of himself as a a pretty good singer. In fact, I have framed in my office a little 45 he cut um, to the tune oh, of Raindrops right. Keep Falling on My Head. But it's a song about the sportswear line that he was repping at the time because he was in the apparel business at the time. Um, and I came across it about a year ago and I got a cute little frame for it and it's in my office. But um, anyway, back to After the Lovin'. Um, <laughs> I can remember driving in his car and I'd be standing up in the back seat, you know, like whole, like draped over the front seat. So like my head was right next to his, but you know, we don't wear seat belts like we've recently discussed. So I'm standing up and we'd duet to this song and hit sing lead and I do all the backups. Like I'm going to give you a little example. 
please. Like he would say, thanks for taking me. And I'd go, thanks for taking me. On a one-way trip to the sun. One-way trip to the sun. And thanks for turning me. Thanks for turning into a someone. Some. And then when he'd at the very end, he'd go, oh, but after the loving. And I'd go, after the loving. God, this is so cute. So that song is little um, Michelle standing yeah, on the hump in the back is seat. A special, holds a special Aww. memory for me. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. Like that. that is so <laughs> cute. Okay, my next song is a song that I've loved since the day that it came out. I've loved it since the first day that I heard it. I have, I always sing along, except that I don't know the words. I can only, I kind of like stumble like, the year of the cat. The only words I know are the year of the cat. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. Part of it is that um, Al Stewart, the artist, is from Scotland. And so his he, he has an accent that comes through kind of in a, we don't know what he's saying. Um, but also, the words are really um, obscure and weird, and we don't know what he's talking about. And so we can't follow the story. The truth is there is an actual story to the year of the cat. Does anybody oh. know what this story is? I mean, no, what no, is there a cat? No. Does it have to do with the Chinese New Year? That's what I was thinking. Okay, so the title The Year of the Cat does come from the astrological um aspect of the year. It is actually the Vietnamese lunar calendar. So he's his Ooh. girlfriend at the time had thrown a book down that she was reading and it opened up to a page and it said the year of the cat. So um, in the Vietnamese lunar calendar, the year of the cat is the same as the Chinese lunar calendar's year of the rabbit. And that has no significance whatsoever except that he said, he said, I don't know a lot about a whole lot of things, but I recognize a song title when I see one. And that was a song title. And so he grabbed the title first and then had to figure out what the lyrics would be. Is it a song about a cat? I just assumed it was a song about a cat, but it is not. It is actually about Casablanca. The movie Casablanca. The movie. (laughs) Yes. Seriously. No idea. More specifically, it is about a love affair taking place in Casablanca. It's inspired by the movie Casablanca, and the love affair is taking place in 1975, which happens to be the year, the year of the cat. The cat. Oh, okay. But I think that is MacGyvered, because otherwise, how can he... He's got to be able to find some reason for it to be the year of the cat. Well, love affair taking place in 1975. So when you know that it's about Casablanca... Oh, now the words make sense. Okay, so the song opens with, on a morning from a Bogart movie. Hello, Casablanca. In a country where they turn back time. Do you remember what the hit from Casablanca is? Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's, um, 
No, I mean, I do, but I'm not going to not end the time. I mean, if you guys all want to sit here in silence for the right. six minutes while I think on it. <laughs> it's but. not a test. I'll just tell you, as time goes by, yes. oh, is that's the theme right. song from Casablanca. Song. I used to play that right? on the clarinet. Yeah. <laughs> In your stitched Holly Hobby. Yes, I had like a a Hollywood soundtrack, you know, songbook for the clarinet. Oh my God. I have a fantasy about you getting a Holly Hobby tattoo. Oh my (gasps) gosh. Mm-hmm. That might be something. Okay, just okay. as an aside, you guys use a different take... word than fantasy in that statement. I know, fantasy is I have an image of you. I have a, I have a daydream, yeah. a future a future idea. Okay, so then the next line is the one that nobody knows what he's saying. because, And this is what the line is. You go strolling through the crowd like Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre is Humphrey Bogart's co-star in Casablanca. He's the bad guy. But when you're listening to the sound, you go, you go striding through the crowd like Peter Lorre. Manella, manana. And I'm Pizza. like, what's Lorre? Pizza Lorre. I thought it was like an Italian word or something like that. Oh, gosh. I'm going to read you the whole thing so that you can hear the Casablanca. Okay, on a morning from a Bogart movie in a country where they turn back time, you go thro- strolling through the crowd like Pita Lore, <laughs> cont- contemplating a crime. She comes out of the sun in a silk dress running like a watercolor in the rain. Don't bother asking for explanations. She'll just tell you that she came... From the year of the cat. You know what's funny, though? When I'm listening to you read those, yeah. I can hear them perfectly. Yes. That always happens, though, right? When mm-hmm. you're like, I have no idea what this says. And when you read it, you're like, of course that's what they say. Right. Right. I mean, talk about misheard lyrics. I can only imagine <laughs> what I have been belting out because I'm sure I say actual words. I don't go like, ba da I'm just saying something. But what the hell am I saying? Because no one was committing a crime or no, anything no. like that in my in my version. I didn't even who and I did why would Peter Lorre be in a song? <laughs> who, I, I don't think right. I would have known who Peter Lorre no, was. No. No. Peter Lorre. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. On a morning from a Bogart movie. In a country where they turn by time. You go strolling through the crowd like Peter Lorre contemplating a crime. She comes out. All right. Well, you guys, I want to now introduce you to the song that really made me feel like a grown-up. When I was listening to this, I could be shaking my glass of apple juice that I thought it was a cocktail going, oh, yes, you don't have to be a star, baby, to be in my show. You don't have to. loved that song, but like I said, it made me feel like a grown-up because I had grown up with my parents listening to The Fifth Dimension, and we had those albums, and I can remember some of the albums and staring at the album covers and looking at the photograph of the members of The Fifth Dimension, and I always thought that Marilyn McCoo, she could have done so much better than (laughs) Billy Davis Jr., her husband. I don't know why. 
I thought she was just elegant and she was taller than he was. So that was always like the guy always had to be taller than the girl for whatever reason. It was like a rule. Yes, which was very Mm -hmm. hard for someone like me who was tall. But I just thought she was elegant and he she was just really could do better and he was she really was the lucky star. her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even so, though you don't have to be a star. No, you baby. don't have to be. Yeah. To be on her show. No, no. And that just seemed so odd to me, but um that song was a big hit. It actually um won them the Grammy that year for best R&B performance by a duo oh. or group. Mhm. Besides the Grammys, though, I think you know that a song is a hit when it's covered on a TV variety series. So if, like, Sonny and Cher sing a song Mm -hmm. or Donnie and Marie, you know that it's a hit. So there's no doubt that this song was a hit status because it was covered on the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) By Barry Williams and Jerry Reichel. Jerry Reichel, you might say, who is that? Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) You know who that is? Of course you all do. Who is that? It's fake Jan. fake Jan. It's our fake Jan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because, and poor Jerry, I think she will always be remembered in the oh. annals of history as the Wait, fake and Jan. is it the she annals it. of history or is it's it the, the annals, annals of history? <laughs> <laughs> Amelia Bedelia strikes again. I have said the annals of history. <laughs> the annals of history. <laughs> Also, Jerry Reichel, don't feel too sorry for her because she oh. loves, she has gone on record even recently as saying she loves it. That That's given her so oh, much notoriety. And, oh, yeah. They do, like, she can, they do fun, like, meet and greets. And because there's a lot of people that are very, Jan. very, like, hugely, you know, fanatic about fake Jan. So, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Jerry Reichel and Annals of History. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank God we weren't like on some talk show being interviewed as PCPS people. And I say, yes, we hope to go down in the Annals of History podcast. To go up the Annals of History. So thank you. You're welcome, listeners, for all of you now that know it's not Annals of History. It's Annals. Thank you. You're welcome. The more you know. Okay. So, okay. So my... Number three song, I picked purely for its singability and its feel goodness ability. <laughs> I it's, like it. Let's just say this: it's a very easy song for a little eight year old in 1977 to sing along to loudly, and that is "Your Love Has Lifted Me Higher and Higher." And that song reached number eight. Um, in the year top 100. Those are the only facts I gathered about these songs. But um, I just remember enthusiastically singing to this one. And you guys, I mean, that slow opening, that's so iconic, right? Your love is lifting me higher than I've ever been lifted before. It's so good. And then the four beats after she says, then I've ever been lifted. And I love the way she goes, before, whore. And then it goes, do, 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 Iconic. You know how you, um, there's like certain songs, and Kristen, you had it at the beginning of I Just Want to Be Your Everything, but you can go back and there are certain songs throughout the history of your life that you have favorite musical moments from. And I have them from a lot of different songs, some current songs that are, are new on the radio today all the way back. And there's not a huge hand, there's not a huge number of them, but there's certain songs when you hear it, there's that one part of that song that just does something to you. And in parentheses, your love has lifted me 
higher and higher, because <laughs> that's the way the title <laughs> the of the song really title. is. Um, it's that part where she goes, before I just love it. It'll always it. make you bop. Like you're yeah. just waiting for that moment. It's and you so know what good. I particularly loved about her was the fact that she was married to Chris Christopherson. And so he, yeah. they were having, that was a star is born kind of yes. um, that same year. Mm-hmm. So I thought, how cool, like she has her own career and she's doing her own mm. thing. And I remember when my mom told me they were married. Well, I don't remember the exact moment, but I remember like that song being on and my yeah, mom yeah. saying, do you know who Rita Coolidge is married to? And because we had the album of mm-hmm. A Star is Born and I, I hadn't seen A Star is Born, obviously. Um, but I thought that's so cool. And they just seemed kind of fun and hippie. And Well, and cool. I can remember being eight years old in 1977 and just being struck by how beautiful she was. I thought oh, she was yeah. beautiful. I wanted I that her hair. The yes, hair. hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that was my dream hair. I love that song. I loved it. Okay, you know what song I think has probably one of the best lines in pop music? Comes from a 1977 song. Okay, so the song is The Things We Do For Love by 10CC. (sighs) And that line, you know it. Like walking walking in the rain rain in the snow. When there's there's nowhere nowhere to go. go. When you're feeling like a part of you is dying. And then here's the best part. And you're looking, looking for the answer in her eyes. And you think you're going to break up? No. But no, she, she, she says she wants to make up. And you're yes. just like, yes. Oh, you're just so excited. Yeah. You and I'm me sure you. I was holding my tickle deodorant microphone, <laughs> singing that into my mirror. Oh, that's such a good song, Kristen. I love ever. it. I love it so much. So apparently that line came from experience from the songwriter. He says, I remember walking through the rain and the snow when I lived in Manchester. I guess I should read it with my British accent. I remember walking through the rain and the snow when I lived in Manchester and we didn't have a telephone and I had to go and find a phone box to ring the girl who was about to become my wife. The phones were down and it was snowing and these vivid pictures are there. You sound like James Bond or something. <laughs> I think you're more French than British. <laughs> the like walking in the rain and the snow when there's nowhere to go when you're feeling like a part of you is dying and you're looking for the answer in her eyes you think you're gonna break up then she says she wants to make up i loved another song that made me feel kind of grown up and that would have been torn between two lovers by more oh, mary mcgregor love it. Yes. Number one hit in February of 1977. And again, the visual, oh no, she's torn. It's, this is this love triangle. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Just but crazy. I so agree with you. There were other songs, even as we got older. Um, uh, Peaches and Herb have one too. What's mm-hmm. that one? Um, Secret Lovers. I don't know if it's Peaches and Herb. Atlantic, but say Atlantic with me now. Star. That's Atlantic what Star. we are. Trying so yeah. hard to hide the way we feel. Okay, yes. those songs almost gave me a little bit of a naughty feeling, but you did. You kind of felt like, but they're trusting me to know this right. story. Mm-hmm. And I can sing the song <laughs> yeah. too. And it was um, so inspiring that um, NBC decided to make a 1977 or 1979 TV movie of the same name, which starred Lee Remick, George Pappard, and Joseph Bologna. And Lee Remick was married to Joseph (laughs) Bologna, but she has an affair with George Pappard, an architect. And do they use the song? Please tell me they use the song. Like they license the song in the Made for TV movie? 
I'm going to say yes. They, okay. <laughs> because how could they not? Torn between two lovers, feeling like a And I'm going to just transition into my other naughty song. So Mm -hmm. we were just talking about um, naughty. Another one from 1977 that um, I loved was, do you want to make love or do you just want to fool around? around. Like I could sing make love Mm -hmm. at the top of my lungs if I wanted to. Yes, Peter. I was McCann more scandalized by by, by by fool around. Like I thought the fooling around. was Well, the yeah, because then it what? But that we got to sing about it. I mean, mm-hmm. we there was no like you know trying to guess what they were talking about. We knew exactly what yeah. are we making love or yeah. are we one night standing it? You know, mm-hmm. fooling wow. around. Do you want to make love? Or do you just want to fool around? between are you going to marry me or are you Don Portrait of a Teenage Runaway in? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, one of my, um, from my runners up list, this one came this close to making my top three. Also, I mentioned it. This is one of those weird songs that gives me a lump in my throat. So I know I mentioned this at the end of our sad songs that make you cry. Um, Because this shouldn't be a song that makes you cry, but it does. And it's the opening of the song always gives me a lump in my throat. And that's Dancing Queen. By yeah. Abba. And just that mm-hmm. ah, yeah. makes me get tingly, but like I have a weird feeling in my stomach and my throat gets really tight. Um, yeah, so I don't know what it is about that. that like you opening, have a crush on Abba. It's a huge favorite of mine my yeah. whole life, but that as it turns out, 1977. So I got to And I think we today. all, I think one reason that it, that it was so exciting for us is that we were identifying ourselves as dancing queens. Yeah, so right. much. I'm yeah. a dancing yeah. queen. You're yeah. a dancing queen. We're all dancing queens. Carolyn is not a dancing queen. <laughs> <laughs> That I love from 1977. Oh, this could be the most joyful breakup song ever written. Ooh. And that is Easy by the Commodores. Oh, Easy like Sunday morning. morning. Right? Like, doesn't oh, it just yeah. give you all the feels and you're just like looking out at a beautiful lake and a mountain scene? You got your warm cup of coffee. You're easy like Sunday morning. Yeah. But See, the, I kind of want it to be raining when I'm Yeah, yeah, it's to a that. little rainy. Mm-hmm. It's, but what we Amen. forget is that is the first line. I know it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Oh, but he's so liberated. Smooth. 
He's yeah. liberated. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not you know letting what, you take me down. They were just so smooth in everything they did and just Ugh. the way they lived their lives. I would bet that if he was breaking up with someone, that's how he would deliver it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm leaving. <laughs> not. No one I'm sounds leaving funny, but I just... Yeah. <laughs> that's how he would deliver bad news to people, <laughs> mm-hmm. I've decided. Yeah. yeah. It's a well, fantastic would... line. It's so utterly singable, and you just like... Well, it sounds sexy. Into it. it sounds sexy. It's almost like, I know I hate you, but please don't leave me. <laughs> I know. You're like, come on, Lionel. We never get along, but oh my God, don't take oh, that it's voice. it's such a happy, happy yeah. breakup song. And that song then paved the way for um, Still and Three Times a Lady <gasps> mm-hmm. and Ceylon, right? They had such good ballads. Uh, God, I yes. love that song. Oh, I love Still. Oh, that was such a great I, it song. It just gives me goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can. You see a big stone and I bother. Yeah. That's why I'm easy. Do you know how the Commodores got their name? No. Sorry, I just sprung that on you. <laughs> this Do they is have really a boat? interesting. They, are they sailing? And they're they not Commodores. Commodores. They're okay. not nautical in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> they could not. There were like seven of them or something, and they couldn't decide. So they're like, all right, we're going to just do this randomly. And they took a dictionary, and they threw it up in the air, and it landed face up. And then they just did like a blind finger point to a word, and their finger was really, really close to the word commode. But they're like, how about the one just down there? How about Commodore? Let's be the Commodores. Oh, that's a great story. Isn't that great? If it's true. Because it almost seems too Mm -hmm. good to be true, but I'm going with it. Oh, and that, what about Brick House? 36, 24, 36. What a win in the hand. Oh, she's a brick house. She's mighty, mighty. Just letting it all hang out. She's a brick. another naughty song that you felt guilty because my parents had to explain to me what that meant like what were those numbers 34 i don't know i don't even know the lyrics to that song so i'm not gonna i do not know well just know she's a brick oh yeah Kristen, isn't that the one that you um that was your number one roller skating song oh it was i think it was one it was my number one that was boogie 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 but this is one of my favorites and it was where i learned what 24 36 24 meant Mm -hmm. and so then i was like oh is that what i'm going for like is that what i'm aiming for god i know thanks lionel richie i remember my mom having to explain that that's kind of what that meant Mm -hmm. um well what happened as I was doing, um, again, getting prepared for this episode, was realizing that 77 was a big year for me. Um, because there are two songs, when I hear them, that I get this sense of dread. Or there are probably more than two. Oh. But um, one is When I Need You by Leo Sayer. Leo Sayer again. When I need you, just close my eyes and I'm with you. And all of that. So wanna give you and then 
Slow Dancing, also known as Sway Into the Music by mm-hmm. Johnny Rivers. So we've got Slow Dancing. Sway Into Is that Leo Sayer? I thought that was Leo Sayer. No, that's wrong? Johnny Rivers. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I can tell you these songs and why they give me this sense of dread because they played at the boy-girl parties that I would go to. Oh, my goodness. Those parties that I desperately wanted to be invited to and then had this anticipatory dread leading up to them. Like, I didn't want to be off the list, but I also didn't want to go. scary. Yes, because mm-hmm. we played spin the bottle and mm-hmm. seven minutes in heaven and those songs were the backdrop to those moments that and i'm sorry when you're the tallest girl and you're dancing slow dancing like this with one of the shortest boys your arms just, are down here like this yeah, yeah it's kind of humiliating and then you spin the bottle and you know you're gonna have to go in the closet with scott schaefer and oh, you God. don't really you don't know what you're oh. gonna do in the closet what does he expect of me i know and i just remember i think there was a Quick little maybe kiss, and then we just talked until people were like, "Thank God, time to come out." Um, okay, well, I have. I'm going to give you two of my runners up in a row uh, quickly because my memory of them is kind of the same. So it's "Strawberry Letter 23" by the Brothers Johnson and "Sweet Talking Woman" by ELO. And the reason these songs are um, really memorable to me is because I, I don't know if it was me or my sister, but we had the, one of us or both of us, I don't know, had the 45s and played them constantly. And I still own Strawberry Letter 23, but it's cracked all the way down the middle. Like you can't play it, but I still, I've I've held on to it. Um, And I love those two songs to me just sort of epitomize third grade for me. I love the little dings in Strawberry Letter 23 where it's like, ding, 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 ding. ding. It's such a good song. song. Um, There's one last song that I want to mention, and that is Dance, 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 parentheses, yowza, 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 (laughs) by Sheik. Written by Nile Rodgers. Nile Rodgers, who, by the way, is everywhere in 2022. He's he's opening for Duran Duran. He's the producer for everyone. He has been the producer for everyone forever. It's crazy. And this song, this is my memory of this song. When I was in fourth grade, we were not going on any field trips. When Mr. Foster's class was going on a field trip and Miss Barry's class was going on a field trip and I'm complaining about it, my dad was like, why don't you write a petition? And present it to your teacher. So my dad helped me write a petition saying, what the hell? We're not going on any field trips. <laughs> and I, I can't believe I did this. And I brought it up to her desk and I laid it out for her and I let her read it. And I'd gotten all the, everybody in the class signed it. The whole class signed it. And then we went on a field trip. We went on a picnic to Como Park. And so we're standing at Coma Park in the field trip that I bitched about. And we're roasting weenies over the, <laughs> the park. Who does that on a field trip? Yeah, I know. I Honestly, I was a little disappointed. I was like, I was talking about was like, like girls roller skating or something, not roasting weenies at the park. And so I'm holding my stick, roasting my weenie. And I hear off in the distance. I want to look at you. 
I feel a physical pull. Like I have to go find this song. What is this song? And I'm just like, it's like I'm squeezing my weenie stick so hard. <laughs> like this is the field trip that you wanted. Don't leave. Don't leave. And this was not an unusual thing for me. It was the same when I would go to the Midway at the State Fair where all the rides are. And I would be pulled toward a ride depending on what song they were playing. And generally the songs being played on the rides at the State Fair were some sort of disco R&B, like something Mm -hmm. with a real dance beat to it. And I can't, I'm like, I'm helpless. I'm just, it's like the little string pulling on my chest. (laughs) I got to go find the yowza, yowza, yowza. She's trance-like. Did you find it? No, I didn't leave. No, she oh, had to stay. Oh, I didn't leave. I had to stay. Oh, this is true. Yeah, you were yeah. squeezing that weenie stick yeah. so hard. <laughs> yes. Come on. She had weenie business. <laughs> well, I will just add that my least favorite okay. song of all time to oh, this yeah. day. And oh. I mentioned this um, maybe in misheard lyrics or sad songs. I don't know. I hate this song, and it was a 1977 song. And that would be Hotel California. Because <gasps> oh, there's nothing ooh. scarier than going into Disclaimer, a hotel. Carolyn, these are Carolyn's feelings only. They do not represent the feelings not- of the Pop Culture Preservation Society. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can go in this hotel, but you can never leave. It's like, scary. That line, that is super scary. I'm yeah. sorry. That visual, I, I even could picture, <laughs> sorry, the desk with like the hotel clerk sitting at it that I'm going up to. <laughs> and they're giving me a key and I'm realizing... I'm going to take this key. I'm never going to leave. Like, this is the <laughs> lobby. This is the desk. Well, you this were very horrible. literal about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Amelia the visual. Bidilia. So I'm Can sorry. I, mm-hmm. That song, n- never liked it, still don't like it. And it was from 1977. I do think that you either love Hotel California or you hate it. And it's so long, too. Yeah, so. you're not it's the so only one who hates long. that song. Mm-hmm. Well, can I do something um, kind of cute? I asked my husband um, when I was telling him about this episode, but um, I gave him the list of the top 100 songs from 1977 and said, you have to pick your three. And one of his very first um, choices was the theme from Star Wars. Oh, of yes, course it would be. Right? Because that yes. movie meant so much to him. It still does. And he loved hearing it. It was so exciting <laughs> to hear it. Yeah, it was Dreams. so exciting. That's to yeah. hear it on the radio, um, oh, yeah. because you know you had the instrumentals on the radio, like we said. Oh, so, Carolyn, um, his other ones were your uh, your picks too. One was Lucille, and actually, I think his one of his others was Hotel California. Sorry, but um, yeah, love okay. it or hate it, love it or mm-hmm. hate it. It's the perfect example of when we talk about the songs from our childhoods. We're talking about so much more than songs that were just good or bad. It gets very emotional, even mm-hmm. if it's just because you like something so much, or because it gives you that funny feeling when you hear it. For no, seemingly no apparent reason, mm-hmm. but that funny feeling might be you saying hello to your younger self for just a split second. Right? That makes me cry. Yes. I know. And that makes it very hard to stop this conversation. It is impossible to include every song that stirs something inside us. We could go on like this for hours. Seriously. But now I'm going to hand it over to you, the listeners. Next time you are chatting with someone... It's your partner, your coworker, a neighbor, whatever. Ask them if they remember what their favorite song was in 1977, which is me taking this awesome feeling that we have right now and giving it to you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in. 
which is actually a radio term. And there is actually no need to tune your dial for a podcast. But anyway, (laughs) if you would like to see what kinds of things that we read, listen to, and watch during the week, including all the things we research, because we love our research and there's a lot we don't share on here, but we'd love to share with you, you need to sign up for our email newsletter, The Weekly Reader. It's free, and you just sign up by going to our website at poppreservationists.com. So, um, and also, if you like what you hear, and we sure hope you do, please tell a friend about our podcast. And then maybe they'll tell a friend, and 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 so on. We are so glad you're out there listening and joining in all the fun on our social media pages. We post daily Gen X memories that will blow your minds, we promise. Um, and to those of you who support us via Patreon, you guys are next level. And we mean that sincerely. We could not do any of this without you. And today we are giving a shout out to patrons, Felicia, Jennifer, Jennifer, because we were all born in the late 60s and early 70s. Pam, Heather, and Judy, if you'd like to learn more about supporting us via Patreon and see all the fun and exclusive content our patrons get each month, just go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and type our name up in the search bubble, or you'll find easy links to our Patreon page in that Instagram link I just told you about. In the meantime... Let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Chrissy. <laughs> the information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Hello, Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanny, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Something always happens. Yeah.